Hello and welcome to the SRF podcast. I'm Ollie and I'm Ben. If you're watching on YouTube, please remember to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and let us know in the comments what guest you'd like to see on the podcast next. Or if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five star review. It really does help us out. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the SRF podcast with me, Ollie Ballinger. And me, Ben Williamson. Ben, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm well, mate. I'm very well, thank you. You? Yeah, yeah, off the back of a busy weekend, so life is good. Manesh, how are we? Hello, both of you. Yeah, um, lovely to see you um, in person or, 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 or as near as can be. Um, read all about this podcast, love it to bits. You're doing a fantastic uh, piece of work and I'm really privileged to be here. And Thank you for the invite. No worries. Thanks for coming on. I've got one initial opening question for you. Do you prefer the orange hoodie or the green hoodie? This is going to see how the like the rest that, of the podcast. That is go. a real tough one, isn't it? So, I mean, which one am I going to annoy the most? Which one are you going to get? Which one have you asked for? I don't know which one I've asked for. It will just be a case of which one lands with the post um, man or woman that <laughs> yeah. attends my door. Actually, I like and them both. You're... I'm going to sit on the fence with this. Uh... I like them both. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. <laughs> Very good. Well, we're delighted to have you here, Manesh, uh, with us and join us on this podcast. So, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, no, love to. Yeah, so yeah, it's Minesh um, Gupta, um, a currently a referee, um, serving referee, level three referee. Um, what that means to the, the public watching this would, would be that I referee sort of step three, step four football, um, but I also perform different duties within that match official role. So I also perform the role of a, an assistant referee on the National League North and the National League South, and occasionally fourth official duties um, if I get if I get a game on the step one, but obviously feature within the professional game as well. Look, I, I'm a I'm a um, I love football, absolutely love football, and that's why I got into refereeing. Um, I'm a family man, actually. To be honest with you, um, I have a, a wife and two two children. Uh, they're aged um, eight years old. I have twins, a boy and a girl, and they are not identical. And I'm Leicester-based. Very nice. Very good. Very good. So what got you into refereeing? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like rewinding the tape now, isn't it, um, Ollie? Um, <laughs> yeah, go back a few years. Do this, you do have to think really hard. But actually, some of the, my early memories are, are really, really still alive today because of the, of the space that I currently work in. Um, it all started when I was sort of like 15 years old, um, and that does seem a long time ago. And no, not at all. You don't look a day over <laughs> 20. Thanks, thanks, Ben. I'm, I'm moving towards the orange hoodie that you're wearing, actually, in terms of how good. Good, yes, love that. Um, good answer. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I wanted to, um, I wanted to do the Duke Edinburgh Award. Um, you know, in those days, it was uh, well, well publicised, and um, you know, we still have the Duke Edinburgh Award right now. And actually, as part of the part of the requirements, one of the sections was, is to do a skill section. And I actually didn't think much of it. And somebody mentioned refereeing, and you know, I thought let's just give it a go. And uh, you know, I did I did the uh, the, the referee course um, then, and um, it was a ten week um, course. And yeah, that's how it how it literally all started when I was fifteen, approaching sixteen years old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, when I think about it, like I, I was, I think I was 13 when I did the course and 14 when I completed the qualification with the test and everything. And like, I did it to help my uncle out, because he was running like his son's team. And I did it 
to help him out. And it's amazing how all of a sudden you get the bug for refereeing. Like, I just didn't stop and I'm still doing it today. Yeah. You know, It's great to hear like the different reasons why everyone starts. I started because I couldn't play football to save yeah. my life. I I, I could, didn't even have two left feet. They were that bad. <laughs> like I was horrendous. And someone, and I think I got injured as well. And someone was like, why don't you stop trying to play? Because you're awful. And why don't you start refereeing? And it turned out moderately average at that. So that yeah. was quite good. Yeah. I mean, the only thing to add to this is, is you know, I... I had no ambition to be a referee. I've got to get this out there right now. Um, I did have, uh, I fell in love with the football, like the game. Panini cards, either uh, you two can remember the Panini cards and the, and the albums yeah, yeah. that we used to swap at school, um, flicking the cards at the playground to win those extra cards, you know, falling in love with my football team, Liverpool. John Barnes is the, the player that I remember in those days. Um, and then playing sensible soccer and championship manager and all them football games that you play. And I fell in love with football, not fell in love with refereeing. I fell in love with football. Obviously, the landscape is very different today. But, you know, I think, yeah, yeah. I, think I have to acknowledge that I absolutely loved football then and I still love football now. Were you any good at championship manager? I was extremely good at playing the, playing the video game, but really badly poor in, in actually, like you say, Ben, two left feet. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't kick a ball straight. Um, and that's a confession I'll make, but I was very good at playing championship manager for some reason. Were you one of those that like got a really good player and cheated the system and got them to sign for like someone lower down the table just so you could get up in the, the Premier League? Uh, I did because I definitely did that all the time. Didn't quite do that, but there were some other ways that I could uh, win the league uh, year on each year after that. Yeah, so there were. There were do you know what it is? It's all a blur, a bit of a blur now, actually. But um, we spent so much of my life doing it. I definitely remember hours and hours on this video game called Championship Manager, literally. <laughs> Remember, yeah, sure. I, I don't think that's too different to some of the, the yeah. kids of today, though. <laughs> very true, very true. Were you, did you play it, Ollie? Did you ever football games? Football manager? Yeah, I, like I, I did. I definitely did a few. I don't think I did it to the level of intensity that you oh, It wasn't very about. good, Manesh. That's what you mean. <laughs> he didn't know how to but, get a Premier League player to play for someone in League Two. Yeah. Done it all wrong. Yeah. I mean, it plays plays right into my thinking around strategy yeah, and things exactly like that. that yeah. But, um, Maybe I developed that thinking later. You wouldn't have cheated. That's the difference. (laughs) I just wanted to win. And if that means I've got to put a player where I shouldn't be playing, I'd do it. Yeah, I think there was this thirst of winning. And and, and when you were winning titles and when your name was like manager of the year, it felt felt such a bit of a buzzer (laughs) those days. I'm sure it's a buzz now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Talking of buzzes, do you remember your first game as a referee? Yeah, this is this one actually uh, isn't isn't too difficult to answer actually because it was actually at a, a local uh, school um, and it was at a school that I went to and for some reason I ended up doing my first couple of games at this school very badly of course um, and um, yeah so that, that that's that's the the early memories of sort of games back back then ninety five ninety six season um, that's when it all sort of started um, but then again. In the early years, um, again, I look, I, I probably went into the wrong age group because I was 16 and I could jump straight into the adults. And that wasn't really the best thing that I ever did. If I could rewind the clock and go back into the DeLorean, back to the future, I'd probably I'd probably join another league and I might, I might have had a, a different experience. But yeah, I went straight into the deep end and started to do started adult football. Yeah, I had that. Like, and I look back on it today and I'm actually very thankful sure. for it because it like, um, it was the life lessons it taught me yeah. probably above anything else. Like 
it was like, wow, this is what the real world operates. <laughs> yeah, wake up call, isn't it? It's a wake up call, Ali. And like Hugely. you say, look, um, most of that experience was actually quite good because you have that resilience. But as a young referee, when you when you don't know what to expect, that that's what I'm probably referring to in terms of just. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, wow. Oh, it is the sh- oh, it is a shock. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't think the support network. Oh, yeah, there wasn't anything. Nowhere near. No. no. <laughs> No, no. So it's very different today. So, like, how did you go from like you know refereeing because of the Duke of Edinburgh award to refereeing as part of the professional game? Yeah, game? I mean, again, you know, see, so sort of, there are there are in that timeline that there are there are different different things that happen in that timeline for different reasons that 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 occur in your life, I guess. But what one of the reasons for doing the Duke of Edinburgh award again, quite quite um, linked to career related, is I wanted to join the police service back back in those days and I'm talking like when I was 18 19 years old again didn't really have much life experience um you know the grades at school were were satisfactory grades I weren't going to set anybody on fire I weren't going to go to like Oxford University or nothing like that but for some reason I had the desire to just be, become a police officer and and I needed to do like life experience and refereeing taught me lots of different things managing people dealing challenging situations and all those things that you, you have to do. Um, so I sort of continued refereeing, um, again, very badly um, because I just wasn't really getting on with it. But there were many times I came home and I just threw the referee bag in the corner and uh, mum and dad used to take me to games. And I came from a culture, actually, where refereeing wasn't the norm. Um, and, you know, I was that was internal battles within the household then. Um, but I had to overcome them battles because each week I wanted to go out again and I had to convince dad to drive me to drive me to those games because I couldn't I couldn't get there so so I needed to convince him to to take me but equally he had to listen to my um, annoying voice when I've done the game afterwards because you know it was going to be look I've not enjoyed this dad and it was a case of well, why are you doing it again and that vicious circle really um, but actually then look I did join the police service then and and you know it made me a better referee um, and actually you know the, the the two careers were parallel to each other. Because ultimately, you're just managing people um, with, with different different um, challenges that come in between that. So then, yeah, they sort of took off really. Um, you know, in th- those days again, classes they were like three, two, one, and and now we, we have the modern uh, classifications of level seven, six, five. So I went through that same system that everybody went through, level seven. Mate, I generally had no idea that you were of the era of class three, two, one referees. I didn't. Yeah. I, I thought you were a lot younger than that, yeah, mate. Yeah. So actually, actually, I have the certificate uh, that I can, I can sh- show you if you want. What class three or something? Um, yeah, cl- class three. It shows me as a, a class three oh, wow. certificate. Um, and again, um, you know, like that is so ancient to what we have in today's game. Um, but that's how that that that's how historic I'm I'm, I'm going back. But then. We do go through them that that system. Um, I just found it difficult to progress, uh, and that was my biggest issue. Do you know why? Do you know what? Um, most of it, um, I would say, uh, was just lack of understanding um, from, from of the game, of the ability to communicate, the importance of it, anything. All in of those, uh, Ben. So probably just did not know how to progress through the levels. It wasn't readily. Um, like smack back in my, you know, in 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 view that we can see today in, in today's game. Um, so I just I just wasn't getting that break, I guess. So every year you got an email saying, um, and even post in, in them days because you used to get a letter saying you've either been promoted or you've not. 
Um, so more frequently, it was letters that you should drop through from the letterbox saying you've not made it. Um, but again, quite normal because I didn't really know what, what normal was, that makes sense. So mm -hmm. to get a letter through the letterbox saying you've not made it was just a letter. So I just re-register again and we go again. Um, yeah. But then like one season, and I can't even remember when it, when it was, somewhere somewhere around probably 2002 2003 i got my level seven and then went consecutive level six then went to level five and then and then i just found that level five was my little this that that was the ceiling uh, like that was the ceiling i got to and i couldn't i couldn't go any further um because i was getting knockbacks from then i found out that we were there was this quality assurance process that kicked in and in those days they were called assessors um, and I couldn't go past that assessor. Yeah, it was just that it was just that vicious circle that uh, again I, th I thought I'd hit my ceiling then. Um, and then yeah, I mean for five years I stayed at level five, very demoralised. Because um, then I found relationships and refereeing, I found friends, um, but those friends were somehow just um, overtaking me um, at, a, at, a, at a speed where I couldn't really understand it. Um, but again, look, you know, rejection just makes you want to do something more. Um, you know, again, when I joined the police, I got rejected three times. So you want, you just, you just go for it more, don't you? Um, a bit like asking a girl out on a date and she says, no, you, you just try, you just try anything. You just keep asking the same girl. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, so it was just one of those, but it gave me the hunger to actually, um, to just keep going for this and then yeah then i got my lucky break in uh, 2006 2007 season where i got my level four promotion um and then i think then for me refereeing really started because then i got my level four at 2006 um and then i was trying to balance that with a family and still sort of being in the police and i really couldn't do it all i really could not do it all um and again i was a really i would say bad level four in them days say bad i just i just didn't have i just didn't have the awareness or the the switch from level five to level four because it was a big so on that question of switch level five to level four if i may what do you if you had to identify one thing you did different when you kept hitting that ceiling and you kept going i can't do it i can't do it i'm, I'm here i'm not going any further what one thing did you do differently that that clicked for you to then go, I've got my four. Like one thing you changed, what was it? Yeah, I would I, I would say that I was probably more more so a little bit have more empathy around dealing and and, and confidence around dealing with club officials. So those are the ones that are actually scoring you and giving you your review scores um, after the game finishes, but actually building those rapport and those relationships before the game. Um, during the game and after the game, and and maybe maybe just um, again having better relationships with those assessors in those days that just helped me to get out of that that ceiling um, because I just needed that that break and actually five years gave me enough experience as well. So you can't you can't buy experience. So I, no. I literally had five years at level five, and that's a lot of experience um, to deal with senior football. Yeah. Great, yeah, no, that's really cool. They're, they're things that just aren't taught, right? That yeah. we, you turn you up, you do the laws of the game, you learn that, and away you go. And you can't buy a book on the shelf that teaches you how to deal with those things because it's only that experience and the knockbacks you get 
will enable you to then learn, put it, put something together and, and, and move forward. But as I said, it was quite easy for me to give up the game at level five and actually finish this once and for all. But actually I didn't. I still wanted to progress. I still wanted more. And you have to have that hunger in your belly yeah, absolutely. To want, to want that. To want to go. Yeah, yeah. Persistence beats resistance, as uh, yeah. someone once told me. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. So you've uh, you've been through a lot, Manesh, in terms of like dealing with rejection, dealing with resilience around refereeing, going through your career. Where is refereeing taking you outside of being an active referee? Like, so what? Else yeah, no, for sure. What, what I what I wanted to just conclude on that on that journey piece is that you know probably level four was probably the the hardest. Um, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, words cannot speak for how difficult that that period has been for me. Because level four, I think, was actually another big ceiling that I hit. Um, and for some of the reasons why I've said, it's a very competitive um, pot of referees that you enter. And and for different reasons, um, I hit that ceiling, and I thought this is this is where I'm going to finish my career. Um, and it's only through hard work, dedication, motivation, changing my style of refereeing, um, thinking about a different career outside of refereeing that enabled me to get to where I am today in refereeing. And that's at level three, still wanting to have that desire and hunger to progress. Just wanted to really just finish that that piece. Uh, I think it's a really important point. Um, yeah, yeah no, I mean, it's interesting so, so, because... Sorry, like, yeah. Just, just like you've just... Um, mentions something because like for me like I got to level four that's where my sort of football refereeing career took me yeah. and I was at four for probably I want to say six seasons maybe seven sure. like and I got four at the age of 18 so like that was like a, a like a big moment you know in terms of like the duration in which you spend at that particular level having like been given the experience that you can jump through levels quite quickly like to spend mm. like six or seven years at a level it does not make you stop and think and the yeah. self-analysis that you go through almost year on year when you go, no, sure. you're not in the top three that get promoted. Um, it doesn't have to make you it, It's probably not talked about enough though, is it? Like no one prepares us for that bit. As you said, seven to six, six to five, five to four can be done. And especially nowadays when they're, we're, they're, we're trying to push people through at a, a quicker rate of knots to get more people up into the, the higher echelons. But to then go, yeah, fine, it's taking four years to get here. Oh, you're now going to spend six years at level four. So you you can further like learn your trade. No one prepares you for that. I just wonder why not? Like what, what else, what, what can we do or what can be done to educate people and go, look, don't expect to go from four to three in a year or two, because it's really, really bloody tough. It is. And, and let me share with you and the listeners. So if anybody's out there currently a level four referee still hitting that ceiling, I think I've probably hit the record or close enough, but I spent 12 seasons at level four, which I am not proud of, but for different reasons, I stayed at that level. Some of it is me, but some of it wasn't me and you're not, not in my control. But if anybody's still hitting that ceiling, you can do it. You can do it. Because I, I did it. And I'm sure I'm sure others will find that resilience to also find that one lucky thing, that one change that you make will enable you to unlock that door and go to the next level. And I think it's a really great point, Nash. So thanks for that. I, I agree, right? Uh, just keep asking yourself the questions. Can I do something different? Yeah. Because if, if, you're, if you're there for a while, like go and ask other people, get some friends to come and watch you, ask for a mentor, ask somebody 
to come and say, look, is there something I could do different? Because what I'm doing has got me here, which is great. There's got to be something else I should be doing or need to be doing or could be doing to make me stand out that that little 1% extra that make my, I don't know, 72 and a half or 73 or whatever to give me that little edge. Because now when you get up to that level, that that's all it's about, right? It's just that little tiny edge that you can do different to all your other level fours. Same as level threes that I observe at level four and three. Um, so just, we're just trying to find that little tiny bit that sets you different. And I don't, again, I don't think maybe referees ask themselves the right questions of what I could do different. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That self-analysis piece um, on the lenses, you've got, you got to look at yourself first before you try and blame others for stopping your progression. Hmm. Yeah, completely. So tell us a little bit about the other hat you wear, Manesh. Yeah, um, so um, <laughs> there is a long list, unfortunately. So, uh, but again, I say unfortunately. You know, I, I, I've, I've been a, I think I've, I've serviced the game um, as, as best as I can actually do, and I'm still hungry to service it in areas. But you know, the plate can only take so much food on that plate, so I've had to take some stuff off the plate, of course. But look, ultimately, I've, I've sort of said this to, to you and the listeners: is that I love football. And, you know, we have a connection already because I'm sure everybody has that same hunger and thirst. I'm an active referee, but um, recently I've joined uh, Burts and Bucks uh, Football Association as their referee training officer. So it's a new post um, and I'll dive into a little bit about that um, as we go through this podcast. But um, I almost, I'm also a referee developer. So in the old days, we were called tutors. Um, it's just now that we are developers and ultimately we take candidates through the, the basic referee course um, and we enable them to, to have those basic fundamental skills and qualities which will enable them to do their first five games and then start their referee journeys. Um, I'm also a referee coach nationally so I, I coach referees at our level four in the men's pathway um, and those are referees that are not in a program called uh, core so core is a talent id scheme but these are referees that are not in core like me i was not in core to start off with and i could have probably done with a coach so i really help support those referees but in not in core from a lived experience point of view i've already changed probably the lives of many in terms of their level four journeys um and that really gives me comfort knowing that i've helped somebody um I also coach in the women's game, so I'm really, really keen on that diversity piece and, and in that inclusion piece. So I coach referees that are on their journeys from 3W to 2W going into the championship, uh, women's FA championship, and getting them ready for that step. The list goes on, unfortunately, Ollie. So, um, um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm reading off a list at the moment. So, um, FA serious case panel member. So, what that means is, is is those cases that are the most serious at grassroots, whether it be match official assaults or discrimination of any kind in the game. I sit on panel, panel I'm a member of that panel where we uh, listen to the evidence objectively and then come to a fair conclusion for all participants. Um, and some of that work is very, very challenging. Um, so bet. yeah, I've been fortunate Emotionally to, uh, as well, I can imagine. Emotionally, yeah. Emotionally, um, physically as well, you know, going through the evidence and, and actually coming to a conclusion with an objective lens. I must stress that. Um, I have, you know, I've got no uh, 
you know, no allegiances to any of these cases at all. We look at it from an objective lens and then we come to a fair, fair proportionate conclusion. Um, and then just a couple of bits to add to that. Then um, I've just recently joined the FA um, as a quality, diversity and inclusion community of practice ambassador. And that is really just forging better relationships with county FA and, and members of the public um, within a dedicated area. And Leicestershire FA is uh, an area that I'm, I'm supporting with, but, but really uh, embedding those FA strategies around refereeing, whether it's grassroots or whatever that strategy might be. Um, and I also sit on the IAG uh, as a, so that's the IAG, as a uh, member at Leicestershire FA. And I'm sort of heavily involved with some stuff that goes on at St George's Park around um, match official uh, event um, consultancy work that I support. So I know that sounds a lot, and it is a lot, but actually I do, I do dip in and out, dip in and out of um, those duties. But fundamentally, um, you know, my my main role is now um, working in football full time as a as a referee training officer and an active, of course, match official. You know, that those those take sort of priority over everything else that's one hell of a list mate one hell of a list and um, just for a point of clarity if i may um the iag stands for yeah inclusion advisory group yeah yeah cool thank and you there'll be one of those um, in every county fa yeah the list is incredible um how much of your time do you give to football a week or a month if you had to put an hours on it what does yeah. that look like I mean, it's a really good question, Ben, and I haven't really prepared for the answer. Um, it's a hell of a lot, though. Um, but, you know, one thing I will say is is that, um, you know, I live and breathe service in the game. Um, of course, you know, contracted to do hours of employment, which are, you know, regulated, of course. But I add value in different, different areas. So, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't quantify the hours I do, but I do do a hell of a lot of hours because I love and care about the game. The game is very lucky to have you, Manesh. No, thank yeah, you. I to be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm, um, yeah, and, and I'm really happy that I can service the game as well. So it's a two-way. This is a two-way approach, and I'm fortunate that you know um, I've been able to offer this in different, different ways and changing the lives of many. I really, I really like how you describe it as servicing the game, because I think that that it just shows how much you, you want to put into it to make it better and to help. I think it's a, a really nice descriptive word to go that I, I want to help and I want to make things better. So how, like moving on to, so you've touched on the diversity and inclusion pieces that, that you, you, you pride yourself in. So how important is it to have diversity in, in all the different roles in, in football? Or in sport, actually, it doesn't need to specifically yeah. be. I mean, there's been there's been lots of discussion around this, and and when I first started refereeing, um, you know, we didn't really talk about EDNI as we know it now, equality, diversity, and inclusion. Yes, it was important back back in the 90, late 1990s. Of course, it was, um, but it wasn't so much um, of an issue as it is today in terms of it's really, really important. It's embedded with every, it should be embedded with everything that we do. And it now is because it's a, it's on everybody's, um, agenda in everybody's job description. Now, um, equality, diversity, inclusion should be embedded in, and, and certain roles will have EDI roles within them as in the PG. I'm well now have got an EDI manager. The FA have got an EDI manager. Of course, you know, the corporates have, have got managers in, in that work within the EDI space. It's hugely important that EDI 
is at the very, very top of the agenda. And that inclusion checklist, you know, whichever task or query or project you're working on must have that inclusion checklist to make sure that we are doing what is right and everybody feels included. And, you know, have we been pretty poor at it? I would say, yes, we probably have. But actually being poor at it means that we've got an opportunity to get better at it. And Learn from we it. are getting yeah. better at it. Safeguarding is embedded within football. I think we all know that. EDI now yeah. is going to be and is now embedded within everything that we do. The touch points, the regular checkpoints. I mean, you know, the, the, the diversity spectrum, the, the piece now, we see the game is so different now. I mean, in the men's game, we are now seeing uh, female match officials. It's very much welcomed. In the women's game, we are seeing... Um, more uh, male referees that are coming through. Again, equally important. And also the Black Asian Mixed Heritage piece, that is also really important across both male and female pathways. And that's across the workforce now. So the observer piece, the mentor piece, the administration, the different different uh, committees that you have, EDI should be embedded within, within all the workforce. I completely agree, but there's probably more we can do and probably that more can be done. So how, how do we increase the numbers? Yeah, I mean, um, look, so, so you know, this is where I can probably wear my FAEDI Community Practice Ambassador hat on. So, you know, one of the objectives is is that how, how can I, as an, as an ambassador, um, forge better relationships with the communities? Now, communities are really important here because some of the communities, if they think they've had a bad experience, Bad news travels way faster than good news. I think we all know that, Boy. right? Um, so it's really then changing that that bad experience to a positive experience and a good experience just by having a, a, a conversation. And, and presence is the key to this. So a lot of my work is to go out into communities, um, to, to grassroots clubs that are from Black, Asian, mixed heritage, to really just to say, look, I know what's happened in the past. We can talk about that. But we really now need to move forward because actually the FA have got you know a new vision, a new strategy, new people, um, you know, and, and really just look at that change piece. And, and to be honest with you, it's working, Ben. It's it's working again. Lived experience piece. Um, it's a lot of this was just words, Ben. It's now words, action. but followed by action, and yeah. that is huge. Important, bit, isn't it? That is huge. To then what we're doing is. We're changing that public confidence from low to actually medium to good. And, and where I want to get to is excellent. And if I do that in my role, within all the roles that I do, then we have succeeded. But I can't do this by myself. We need everybody to come on board with this. But that is the, the tangible link from how we do what we are going to do. How can everybody else help, Manesh? Yeah, I mean, look, everybody... The EDI can't be ignored. So first of all, there's a real acknowledgement that actually we can't we can't ignore this. So if somebody has had a bad experience, um, then we should be able to, in this uh, modern day and age, be able to have a conversation, fully transparent, whether it be um, um, a form, a feedback form that you fill out. So now referees, for example, have the opportunity now after they fill out their, their games at step five and six and above, they can fill out a feedback form, match observer feedback form. Just using one example there, Ollie, um, whether it's a you know good experience or a bad experience. And, that, and if we are capturing that feedback, we are letting somebody know. And 
some of that some of that work has featured around um, EDI, um, and 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 you know feedback has been passed on, and and we you know we, we're in this culture now that everybody has the ability now to check and challenge. Before we didn't have the confidence to check and challenge the FA. The FA now have changed their, it's almost like we flipped it around now, where actually they want us to check and challenge the FA. We've got people in post that are in EDI that we can directly respond to or communicate with. So that you know, those are some of the some of the ways that we're going to do this. Education is huge. You know, education now is huge. We've got kick out as an organization, we've got BAMREF Agno as an organization, we've got ref support as an organization. There are so many different organizations and stakeholders that want the same thing. We all want a game free from discrimination. The reporting processes are a lot, are a lot more clearer now, and everybody has a duty and obligation now to report discrimination. So that's clear. So we're getting more reports because people know how to report. They've got confidence in the reporting process and the structures in place because there are going to be severe sanctions. So again, those are some of the examples, Ollie, of, of how we're all going to do this. Hmm. I think it's, I mean, um, it's really- having that confidence that the action is going to get taken after the report, right? Or yeah. to, to, to feel heard is 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 so important to make people put the reports in or share that feedback or or whatever. Um, if there if there's the mindset of nothing's going to happen, we we struggle, right? So yeah. the fact that you've now you're, you're saying that yeah, people listen, people care, people want to change change perceptions and change the game. Um, it's it's huge, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I think that care piece is huge, uh, Oli, uh, Ben, uh, both of you, because um, stakeholders do care about the game. We all care about the game. We want we want a game free from discrimination. That is the objective. Look, we know that we still have discrimination in, in the game and, you know, actively want people to come forward. The reporting processes are much more easier to do now. The touch points are far clearer now, right? Once you've done your bit, we then rely on the stakeholders then to follow the investigations up and then we start the process, right? And that's yeah. where that confidence piece comes in. Yeah, it's huge. I, I, I mean, it's huge. It's really, it's really interesting and it's really exciting to see this like coming into the game, coming into the conversation, being at the forefront of the conversation because I think everybody can play their part in doing their bit. I think a lot of people have played their part in safeguarding and the position that it holds today, you know, it is at the top of the, the list. And I think, you know, there is a lot, particularly moving forward, particularly with what you've just spoken about in terms of bringing EDI to the forefront of the conversation. And I think we all have a, have a duty, no matter the hat we wear in the game, whether that be a sports official, whether that be a manager, whether that, whether that be an administrator of the game, like we all have a, an opportunity to talk about it and, and make it centre of conversation. One of the hats I think you also wear, Manesh, is um, uh, uh, membership secretary of BAMREF. Yeah, um, so so it's a piece of work that I um, uh, sort of past tense now, Ollie. Um, so when I, when I talk about that, that plate was quite full. Um, I decided to yeah. step away from those duties because I joined the FA and I, I just couldn't really manage that 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 priority and I couldn't service that that service line with with all its. Um, dedication and and what it needs, but you know, I spent I spent two and a half years with uh, Bamref, um, and and really Bamref is, as I said to you already, it's an organisation who is there to check and challenge the FA, 
the PGMOL and any other football stakeholder around better recruitment, uh, better representation, supporting our referees from Black, Asian and mixed heritage um, communities to ensure that everybody has a fair, a fair go at this thing called refereeing, right? And if you look at me, lived experience, you know, I can't make this up, Ollie. Ben, you know, this is a lived experience piece. I came from an inner city with nothing, right? And look what I've managed to achieve today. It's available to everybody, everybody, and not just me. And I want to make sure that everybody has those same or same services, but a better experience than I had when I came through the system. So really, it was just about really just encouraging people to come forward, um, you know, join the network, um, Black, Asian, mixed heritage communities. But as it, it says on the tin, it's not just for those communities. Anybody can join BAMREF. Um, it's, it's, it's there for, for anybody. And it's all around just a network. Like the Referees Association, um, huge, huge uh, network uh, and huge stakeholder in terms of what they do for their referees. And BAMREF is just another network for communities that feel they, they they belong, or they they feel as if they they feel as if they can engage um, comfortably with referees that look like them, if that makes sense. With the experience that you have, and the role that you have today, what does your next couple of years look like with your role at the Bucks and Bucks FA? Yeah, I mean, you know, in everything that I've learned so far and, you know, the service lines that I've been involved in, you know, it's all a good experience. And ultimately, my role now at Berks and Bucks um, FA is referee training officer. So, you know, really to break that role down, ultimately, we need to look at recruitment. Um, and, you know, we need to look at recruitment. When, when, when candidates come through that front door, we need to make sure that they have the best learning opportunity and that great customer experience and they don't walk out the back door after they've done after they've done their initial training because if that happens something has failed them um and, and and ultimately for me i need to ensure that there are support structures in place in order to prevent that candidate walking out the back door so part of my project will be um is that what is that what what does that support look like? How can I provide that referee a great safe learning environment, but actually out on the pitch? Um, it's all it's, it's it's a bit like it's a bit like driving a car with an L plate for real, but making it really safe on on the road. And it's almost a bit like that with refereeing, giving them the best opportunity with with that safe learning environment. And actually, they want to come back and have that same hunger and thirst to go again. And then, and then, um, you know, EDI falls within my role in terms of, um, uh, you know, uh, recruitment campaigns that fall fall within um, what the national referee strategy is around um, uh, that EDI piece. So, recruiting from our um, historically underrepresented um, ethnic communities, uh, running female-only referee courses. And then working, work, working through uh, better uh, stakeholder management with the referee association networks. Um, so there's a huge, there's a huge piece there. But what I, what I can share is that Berks and Bucks County is huge, 
and our and our motto really is connecting people and changing lives you know and that's what that that is our core value so Manesh, yeah fantastic i think there's there's so much work um that you have done and i think there's so much more work that we can all do um and it's great to hear that um barks and bucks have, have got someone like you to to lead us and, and drive this forward um personal targets for for your refereeing career what what do they look like yeah i mean um i suppose um ju- just just to sort of um you know cap off the the bucks and bucks piece i mean you know I, i'm really passionate about this and i and and, and just um, i, I want to say huge thanks to to everybody making it um, a warm welcoming environment for me the referees have been really really keen to work with me and and, and really some of the audios that i've um, or RDMs as well that I've connected with have been really, really supportive uh, towards me. And I want to just want to say a big, big thanks to that. Um, thanks to them all, really. Um, yeah, I, look, I'm still hungry for progression, right? You know, um, and you know, it's great that I can still say that because it's the truth. You know, um, as a referee and as a uh, step two uh, assistant referee, I'm on both pathways. Um, I'm in a, a new uh, program called. FA Core X, which is um, run by the PGMOL and the FA. It's a new initiative for um, step three, step four referees that are from black, uh, Asian or mixed heritage backgrounds or community members to to actually have access to that learning program. Um, So ultimately, I don't know where my journey is going to take me, but one thing for sure, the journey is still ongoing and it has not finished. Just yet. Where do you want it to take you? I mean, yeah. What's your end goal with your I referee suppose, career? I suppose right now the direction of travel feels feels as if um, I'd like to be like a a, a professional assistant referee. Um, okay. Yeah, and 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 I'm really really enjoying the the uh, the assistant referee role. Really working with the referee, supporting the referee as best as I can. Um, and I just love the fact that we're going to these these, these grounds and the, the attendances and just being part of a just being part of a, a team and, and coming off knowing that you've done a job with integrity but you've added value um, and you're able to come off feeling that you've contributed towards a great game of football uh, at the highest level. Um, yeah. So ultimately, I know that it's not finished yet because I've got to go through various hurdles to get to my end goal. Um, but as I said to you, I'll work extremely hard and it w- does require hard work. Um, I you know, have to look at things like diet, nutrition. Um, the workout plan is still existent when I can and the family allows me to do it. But again, I, I train on, on hours where it's not going to impact my family. So again, it's just that work-life balance really. Yeah, it's it's tough, isn't it? It's not no, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. But if you want something, you. If you want something. Um, you need to invest your time well, you and it, effort right? to to get a return in your investment. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you love you that, go and get in. <laughs> yeah, I didn't read that. Off, I didn't read that off a card, Ollie. That was straight from the heart. Love that. <laughs> no, I can, no, I can see it, Manesh. I can see it oozing <laughs> out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, um, it's really, um, it's great to see um, the the passion you have for the game, for refereeing, for EDI, for everything. Like, you know, so go and get that. Um, go and get it. We um, we could probably sit here for hours talking about refereeing and talk about all the wonderful sure. things that we can do about it. But I think um, 
I think we're going to wrap this up. And we always like to ask our guests one final question before we uh, depart on this part of the journey. And that is, if we're to give you a magic wand, what one aspect of sports officiating would you like to change? Yeah, um, great. Um, Again, I don't have to think too much about this because um, if I go back to my lived experience piece, um, what 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 has quite often been a barrier when I look at when I self reflect on my on my own journey um, is is that the reason why I wasn't able to probably develop uh, at the the speed of others was probably because of um, that that support and that and that coaching piece around well, how do you do how do you manage people and how do you do these things and the workshops so if I had a magic wand I would say that every referee um, would must have the option as to whether they would like access to um, a program called the talent ID core program which is a center of excellence of training I think that should be a given for any referee that wants it rather than being chosen for something which sometimes can be really hard to take if you are not chosen and money should not be uh or budgets should not be a barrier to entry so that magic wand just tells everybody they're going to have the access to the same program where we all feel included because we are all equal and then we might have the opportunity to become that referee that everybody aspires to whether it's the howard webb or the Michael Oliver of today or the Anthony Taylor, because they are all great referees or Howard Webb was a great referee. Manesh, it's been really insightful listening to you and understanding a little bit about your journey. And I think, and I will repeat what I said earlier, the game is really lucky to have you. And I think those young aspiring referees who come under your wing and they're going to learn from your lived experience, like should feel very privileged because I feel as if I was part of part of your coaching, then I think if nothing else, you'd inspire me to want to do more because that's what I feel Absolutely, today. Absolutely, yeah. I agree listen, listen to you for 30, 30 40 minutes. That's yeah, I might have to go out for that run I keep promising myself I was going to do now, Manesh. <laughs> put me to shame. Yeah, it's a bit cold today, isn't it? Um, but one thing, I was, the last thing I want to say is, yeah, look, I hope, I hope first of all, thank you for allowing me to uh, speak on your uh, wonderful podcast. Um, I hope um, I've uh, made a, a difference to somebody that's listening to this that probably was in a, a different mindset, perhaps. Um, and, and good luck to everybody in terms of where you are in your journey and keep working hard. Thank you, mate. If um, if someone wanted to reach out and they've been inspired by some things that you've said, it, it, how can they get hold of you? How can people find you? Yeah, um, well, I suppose I've got my uh, Burks and Burks and Bucks um, email address, which is obviously uh, my. You can find that on on the Burks and Bucks FA uh, website page. Um, but but I'm more than happy to share my FA email address with you now, if you want for you for you listeners. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's Manesh and it's the number two after after the a dot uh, at the fa dot com. So Minesh number two at the fa dot com. Yeah, just just drop just drop me an email, and I'll be more than happy to uh, respond to you, uh, time permitting. I'll give you one promise, though: you will definitely get a response um, from me, one way or the other. I will not leave you hanging. You can have hundreds of requests now to join your coaching group. Like, oh, can you can you help me? Can you come and watch me? 
if it, if it allows me to and we're able to do it, um, yeah, I'll do it. But just to manage expectations, of course, you know, there'll be different reasons. But one thing I will be able to do, at least signpost to different uh, different people within the organization or counties or FAs in order for that person to get the support. Because quite often they don't know how to get the support. How to it. And I was one of those 16-year-olds that didn't know how to do so. I love that. Manesh, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, we'll probably get you back on for a, a series two episode because I think there's still a, a lot more that we can uncover. Lovely. But for now, thank you very, very thank much. Thank you both, Ollie. Ollie, Ben, thanks, guys.